0: Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Hey, I would strongly suggest that you take some, some notes uh, get something to take some notes uh, because I'm going to teach you a little bit and then I'm going to preach to you and get you into this altar. So tonight... I won't hold you long. That's what Elizabeth Taylor told husband number six. I will not hold you long, but um, I will bring you something straight from the heart of God. I want to speak to you on when God overshadows you, you can outrun a chariot. When God overshadows you, you can outrun a chariot. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 46. Again, allow me to teach you a little. Uh, Again, if you will take notes and go over it later, it would strongly benefit you. First Kings, chapter 18, verse 46. Then the Lord gave special strength. Everybody say special strength. To Elijah, he tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Hear it again. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, Jezreel was the capital city of the northern kingdom of the tribes of Israel under the rule of King Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel. Let me give you a little background about today's scripture. The prophet Elijah has just defeated the 450 false prophets of Baal who supported King Ahab and his wicked wife. And there was no doubt that Elisha was exhausted. He's exhausted emotionally, he's exhausted physically, and he's exhausted spiritually. We know that because... He, uh, well, he's panicked that this woman Jezebel is coming after him. It blows my mind that he can kill 450 false prophets, all men, and not even think a single thing about it. And one woman says, I'm coming to get you, and the man loses his mind, and he panics. And God says, no, you're going to be okay. So there's no doubt Elisha was exhausted. And sometimes in our life and in our ministry, we will face situations in our private life that'll bring exhaustion. We were exhausted emotionally, we were exhausted physically, and we could even be exhausted spiritually. Yet it says that God gave him the special strength to outrun Ahab's chariot over the 20-mile journey to the city of Jezreel. One translation says the Spirit of God overshadowed Elisha, or came upon Elijah, and then he outrun Ahab's chariot. Now we all know it's not humanly possible for a man or a human to outrun a horse, let alone a chariot, over any distance. And God was showing Ahab that his power was so far superior to anything Ahab and Jezebel could ever possibly have. And many times throughout scripture you read the phrase, And the Spirit of the Lord overshadowed. Or the Spirit of the Lord came upon his chosen vessel. In fact, 14 times throughout scripture you will read, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon his chosen vessel. In the life of Samson, and the Spirit of the Lord overshadowed or came upon Samson. Or the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Or the Spirit of the Lord came upon 14 times if he comes upon his chosen vessel. Now that is very significant. And you may have heard the story of Jesus' birth. We're getting ready to celebrate this month the birth of our Savior. And have you really stopped to imagine what it must have been like for that little teenage girl named Mary. She was a humble teenage girl living in Nazareth. I told you this morning that the catchphrase about Nazareth was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was the ghetto. It was the poorest city of the area. It was run down. In that region, it was considered to be the, the place that really nothing good could come out of. And She didn't have any notoriety at all. But one day, the angel Gabriel appears to her. Now, you understand when you're a frequent Bible reader that when Gabriel shows up, he is the messenger angel. Michael is the warring angel. Gabriel is the messaging angel. Lucifer was the praising angel. He got cast out of heaven. But whenever Gabriel shows up, he always has a very special message. Remember, it was Gabriel who spoke to the parents of Samson and said, your son shall be very special. He shall be a Nazarite. So when Gabriel shows up, he's got a very special message from heaven. And he says to Mary, you are highly favored of God. You're going to give birth to a son without knowing a man, and he will be the son of God. Now God gave Mary an amazing promise that wasn't even believable in the natural. And you can imagine the thoughts of doubt and unbelief that must have bombarded her mind. Thoughts like, how in the world can I have a baby without a man? That's impossible. That defies the laws of nature. Now, if Mary would have only considered her circumstances, she would have been tempted to give up. But instead of looking at her circumstances, she looked at her amazing God. And she understood the principle that if God says it, he will bring it to pass. When Mary answered back to angel Gabriel, she didn't say, Oh, that sounds crazy. I don't see how that could happen. No, Mary was bold as she made a statement of faith. She said, Be it unto me as you have said. In other words, I'm in agreement, God. I, I agree 100%. Let it be the way you've just said it. Now, that's the way we need to be. When God puts a promise in our heart about our children, about our grandchildren, about our ministry, about the things that we are dealing with, instead of trying to reason it out, we have to fully be convinced that what he said he will do. Mary believed. But when you read the whole narrative, you find out that she did have one question. She answered the angel and said, I believe this promise will come to pass. I'm in agreement, but how is it going to happen? I love that. I I agree, God. I'm lining up with your word, but how is it going to happen? You might be sitting here tonight with a how question of your own. And you have a how question for the Holy Spirit in your life. In other words, you may be thinking, I believe we're going to accomplish our dreams, but how is it going to happen, God? I believe I'm going to get well. I believe I'm going to overcome this addiction or this difficulty. I believe, Lord, when you gave us our children and you promised us that our children would be the glory in our house. Oh, I, I believe that, God, but now they're going through a difficult time. We believe you're going to bring us through, God, but how is it going to happen? Is there anyone tonight with a how is it going to happen question? You might be watching my live stream. In fact, there's a couple of dear close friends that are watching right now in Lubbock, and I wish they were here. And I know personally that they have a how question in their life and in their ministry. We believe, Lord, that you're going to do something amazing. But we're looking at the situation, and it's not lining up, Lord, with what we're seeing. So how's it going to happen? Sometimes what we see is not really what we believe. And we struggle with God. Lord, what I'm seeing is not lining up with what I'm believing. So how's it going to happen? Just bind up, raise hand. Is there anybody tonight that has a how's it going to happen question? Because I do. I have a lot of them. Well, the angel Gabriel, he said to Mary, is true for each and every one of us. He said, Mary, here's how it's going to happen. Since you asked the question, here's how it's going to happen. The power of God is going to come upon you and overshadow you. In other words, because of your willingness and your obedience, God is going to breathe in your direction, and supernatural things are going to happen. Today, just like Mary, get into agreement with God's word, no matter what you're going through. If God said it, you need to believe it. They used to say, the old-timers used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Receive his promise. Do not not allow what you see to affect what you know. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. Would you say that with me, watching right now in live stream? Just right now, agree together. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. Say it again. I will not allow what I see to affect what I know. I know my God is faithful. Amen. I know my God is the healer. I know my God is still the Deliverer. Even though things are not lining up the way I would like, I will not allow what I see to begin to affect what I know. Receive his promise and follow his leading. He promises to make a way where there is no way. So trust him that as you fast and pray. Now that's critical. How will the Holy Spirit overshadow you? Fast and pray. I told you this morning that in the Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse, Jesus lays out the plan for all of Christianity. And he gives us a threefold cord that literally causes us to be victorious. He said, when you pray, not if you pray, But when you pray, and I love it that he goes on to teach and he says, do not be like the Pharisees who get out into the open and they say things just so everybody could hear it. But he says, when you pray, go into the privacy of your room, close the door behind you, and your heavenly Father, who sees what you are doing in private, will give you gifts. He will honor you in public. He will honor what you do in public. Many people say, well, pastor, in your ministry, there's always a great anointing on it. And I'll smile at them and say, because my father is faithful to honor in public what I have done in private. And it has nothing to do with me. When you pray, close the door behind you and your heavenly father who sees what is done in private will honor you in public. And then Jesus says, and when you give. He's not saying that. You know you, when you do, when, if you give he says go out and, and tell everybody he goes no no when you give do not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing but you give it to the father and your heavenly father who sees what is done in private again will honor you in public but then he closes that off and he says and when you fast not if you fast or should you fast but when you fast anoint your head with oil and powder your hands and feet so that people do not even know you're fasting. And don't let it be known unto man, but your heavenly Father who sees what you do in private will honor you in public. Those are the things that release the miracles and the healings and the anointings. Those three things are what brings the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit into your life. And God is going to breathe into your direction. He will honor what you do. So trust that as you fast and pray, It won't be long before God spiritually overshadows you and your children, you and your grandchildren. Listen again to what Gabriel, he tells Mary. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now let me teach you a little. It was the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Mary that would bring the miracle. Isaiah 11, 1-2 tells us, speaking about Jesus, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. Now hear those words again, because those words give you an actual list of what you can expect when the Spirit of the Lord overshadows you. Hear it again, because in this list you can see what God promises will happen when the Holy Spirit overshadows you. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him that resting, that peace. Friends, I really want to drive that point home. It was the Spirit of the Lord that made men true heroes and judges in the days of old. And you read that in Judges 11.29 and Judges 13.25. It was the Spirit of the Lord descending on Jesus of Nazareth and abiding on him. You have an abiding anointing. First John, uh, John 1 and 33 men were taught to see the reality that he was the Son of God because the Spirit of the Lord rested. Now the question has to be asked, do you want the Holy Spirit to rest on you? Ephesians 119, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor and God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In other words, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that same power is available to you and I. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, he grants the individual wisdom and counsel of God. Hear that again. When he rests upon you, he grants you the wisdom and the counsel of God. Wisdom in its highest form. To know what to do at the critical junctures of life. As implying the understanding of the secret things of God. Understanding, which means the ability to discern the right things to do at the right times, the right words to say at the critical moments in your life. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you had to speak a word into a family member, but you did not know what to say? And that's when you say, Holy Spirit, I need you to overshadow me. Because when he overshadows, Hebrews 5.14 tells us, he gives us understanding. He gives us the words to say at the critical moments in our life. Words that he brings to our mind. Friends, you may look at what you're up against today and feel that you don't have the strength, the endurance, or the fortitude to even keep battling. You don't have the wisdom and the understanding to make the crucial decisions that you have to make. You need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You need the Holy Spirit to come and overshadow you. I shared with you uh, last time I was with you that I got a call from a young lady, and she said, Pastor, where are you? And I said, well, I just landed. I'm in the Springfield, uh, Springfield Airport. She said, well, I'm in the hospital. The baby has come early. I need you to come right now. Now, if you've been in the ministry as long as I have, 35 years, you develop relationships with the pastors and their kids and and you, you kind of become almost a, a close family friend, really. And I told her, I said, well, honey, if the, if the babies come now, it's really early. We're in trouble. And she says, yes, and I'm angry at God. And I get in the car, and I start heading over there. And the whole way there, I'm saying, Lord, it would be a good time for you to overshadow me. Hebrew says, you'll give me the wisdom and the understanding to say things at the right time, at the critical junctures in life, to speak a word into someone's, Lord, it would be a good time right now. And all of heaven was silent. I pulled into the hospital, and I went to the elevator, went to the neonatal unit, and when the elevator doors open, she's standing right there. And she's got her hand on an IV bottle, and the other hand is holding that, uh, that gown. She's holding it closed. She's a tiny little thing, a half pint, not even a full pint. She's just a half pint. And she looks right at me and she said, It's not fair. And big old tears. It's not fair. And she begins to give me her family resume, their ministry resume. Granddad was a great preacher, presbyter. Dad is a great preacher. My husband is a great preacher. He's at a of us, a God Theological Seminary, and we're at Evangel, and our eye, you know, we're up to our eyeballs in debt studying for the ministry. And Why would this happen to us? And in my spirit, as I'm standing there, I'm praying, Lord, it would be a good time for you to overshadow me. For you to give me words of comfort, of exhortation, of sensitive counsel. The right words to say at the right time, wisdom beyond my own intellect. That's what happens when he overshadows you. Amen. Wisdom beyond your own intellect. And heaven was silent. I said, where's your husband? She said, well, he's, he's in the room. I said, we need to go there. And she said, Pastor, I'm angry at God. And I looked at her and I said, you know, honey, it's okay to be angry at God as long as you don't sin. And she said, well, at what point does it become sin? And I said, at the point that you become Bitter. At the point that you become so angry at God that you become the prodigal and you walk away. She didn't say anything. And we're walking down the hallway and in my spirit I'm praying, Lord, it'd be a good time. And nothing. We walk in the room and there's her husband. He's a communicator. He's, he's an amazing young preacher. He has his hands inside the incubator. And I look in and there's a tiny little body, a baby, about that big. And he's got an ivy in his head and in his foot. His lungs are underdeveloped. He's struggling. And as I look closer, you can see the tears pooling on the acrylic where this young man had been crying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit whispers, have them invite me into their human experience. And the preacher in me said, Lord, that's it. That's... Have them invite me into their human experience. Lord, is that all? He said, Randy, sometimes the miracle is in what I want to do in the situation. Sometimes the miracle is what God wants to do through the situation. Sometimes the miracle is what God wants to do through the situation. When you look at Lazarus, sometimes the miracle isn't what God wants to do in the situation. They wanted a healing. God wanted a resurrection. Sometimes the miracle is what God wants to do in the situation. When you look at Daniel. Daniel wanted to be delivered from the lion's den. God had revival for all of Persia. Sometimes the miracle is what God wants to do through your individual situation. And when you're obedient and you say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you to overshadow us. Would you say that with me? Sometimes the miracle is in what God wants to do through our situation. Come on, let's say it together. Sometimes the miracle is what God wants to do through our situation. And if we're obedient. Because sometimes we don't feel we have the strength, the endurance, and the fortitude to keep battling. Maybe it's a cancer or an addiction or a situation in your family. With all that said, I... Looked at the young man and I said, young man, listen to me. The Holy Spirit wants me to tell you that he wants you to invite him into your human experience. Because sometimes the miracle is what God wants to do in the situation. And he has to be invited in before he begins to work. Are you ready to invite him in? You might be watching online. I'll ask you that question. Are you ready to invite him in? She, the young lady looks at me, she said, can't do it, I'm too mad. And he pulls his hands out of the incubator, and he says, yes, we can. And this young man, he stood up, and he lifted his hands to heaven. And it came out like a small little whisper at first. But then he started singing that amazing song. Jesus, there's just something about that name, Master, save your Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. And whew. Jesus, Jesus. Oh come on, sing it with me. Yeah. Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name, when he is invited in. He begins to overshadow. He begins to move. When he's invited in, the miracle sometimes is what God wants to do in our personal situation. I'm reminded of my grandfather as he was dying of emphysema. We had no control over it. And he told the doctors, I want to go home and meet Jesus from my bedroom wearing my pajamas. I don't want to go to meet Jesus in this old gown that the hospital gives me. He said it in Spanish, and he kind of would chuckle a little bit. He's dying of emphysema. And they brought him home, and I remember watching him lay there in the bed, and my grandmother would walk through the house, and she would speak to her giant. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But she would welcome Jesus into their human situation. And she would sing in Spanish and then in English and a heavenly language. Now, to my grandmother, Spanish was and is the heavenly language. She had a song that was her welcoming song. She would just lift her hands and she would sing, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place I can feel His mighty power and His grace I can feel the brush of angels' wings I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And when she started to feel the Holy Spirit overshadow her, she'd go, "woo." <laughs> in the midst of his children, the Lord said he would be. It doesn't take very many it can be just two or three. And I feel that same sweet spirit that I felt of times before. Surely we can say tonight that we've been with the Lord. Oh, come on, lift your hands and sing it. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of angels wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Sing it again. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place Friend, I believe God is not going to let you stay feeling overwhelmed That is not who He is That is not in His nature Those friends that are watching me by line, hear it again. God is not going to allow you to feel overwhelmed. That is not in his nature. That is not who he is. Isaiah 96 prophesies the birth of Jesus by saying, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. In other words, he's in charge. Oh, you didn't hear me. That means he's in charge. He is the savior of the world. So the first thing we need to know about who he is when we are feeling overwhelmed is that he is in charge. If you believe that, someone shout amen. Amen. He is not worried about what's happening in Palestine. He's not worried about the economy. When gasoline goes to over $5 a gallon, there is not any worry in heaven. When our adult children do knuckleheaded things, he is not worried at all. He says, surely the presence of the anointing of God will be in that place. I am in charge. If you believe that, come on, I want you to clap your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Well, then Isaiah goes on to explain to us who Jesus is to you and me. He makes it personal. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. I love to put a comma between those. He will be called Wonderful. Oh, he is so wonderful. He'll be called Counselor. He is the Great Counselor. He'll be called Mighty, God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's who he is. As you fast and pray and you lift your voice, I am believing that the same Holy Spirit who breathed on Elijah will breathe upon you his special strength. The same Holy Spirit that overshadowed a teenage girl in a little ghetto called Nazareth on the wrong side of the tracks will overshadow you as well. The same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Samson That overshadowed David, that overshadowed Jephthah, that same Holy Ghost who is alive and well, that raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God. That anointing, that touch from God, allows us to rise up to the God-given task. No matter the situation, no matter the legal case, no matter what the doctors say, my Jesus is in charge. He is God Almighty. And he'll never leave you or forsake you. Oh, come on. Somebody praise him. He is an overshadowing God. But the key to being overshadowed is you have to make room for the miracle. Hmm. Are you making room for the miracle? You see, in 2 Kings chapter 9, or 2 Kings, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 9, the Shunammite woman she looks at her husband and she says something dynamic. She's making reference to the prophet Elisha and she tells her husband see that man I have noticed that the hand of God or the power of God is on his life and he's been passing by us regularly. He's been out in front of our house regularly. Now remember Elisha and Elijah they represent the ministry of the Holy Spirit prior to Jesus coming and dying on the cross and Acts the second chapter in the upper room. Prior to all of that They represent the power of God. And she's saying, I've been noticing the power of God is on that man. But notice it did not do them any good until she made room for the miracle. Because she turns to her husband and she says, by the way, he's passing by us regularly. But I want you to build a room on the roof of our house. And I want you to put a bed there. I want you to put a lamp there. And and I want you to put something there so that he just won't pass us by. That he will come and stay. She is saying to her husband, I want you to do something out of the ordinary so the power of the miracle will not pass us by. What are you willing to do to have him overshadow you out of the ordinary so he just doesn't pass you by? You may be thinking, well, Randy, that's a great promise for some people, but surely that promise is not for me. It's great for Pastor Billy and his family because they're anointed and they're called of God and they're part of the fivefold ministry gifts. But I'm not a prophet. I'm not a teacher. I'm not those things. So why should I believe that the promises of God are for me? Well, Acts chapter 10, and verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of God persons. And Romans chapter 2:11, for there is no respecter of persons with God. You see, to be a respecter of persons is to practice discrimination, favoring certain people over others. However, the Bible explicitly teaches that the anointing, which is the personality of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is for every man, woman, boy and girl who longs for more of his presence. Whether you are sitting in this room longing for his presence or whether you're watching me in your living room longing for his presence, his presence is for every single one of us. Amen. First John 2 and 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. Let me teach you what the scripture is saying. In contrast with the false teachers John describes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, John is telling us that the true believers have been anointed and possess the knowledge of the truth. This anointing referred to the Spirit of God being poured out by Jesus on those who have come to faith in Christ. The word Christ means the Christos, the anointed one with the anointing. This anointing you receive from him abides in you, 1 John 2 and 27. It means it is lasting. The anointing is the personality of the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing that makes the difference in your children's life. It's the anointing that makes the difference in your life. Satan, the deceiver, will try to construct a plan of thought in your mind to steal away from you the anointing. But you have an anointing that abides. The New Testament describes Jesus as the anointed one in Acts 4, 26 and 27 who also anointed those who believe in him. Now let me ask you, do you believe in him? Are you a believer? Are you a child of God? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you? Is the resurrection power of God on the inside of you? Then you have an anointing that abides. That anointing makes the difference. It allows us to rise up to the God-given task at hand. Now that's also a very important key point. Don't miss it. We must rise up under the power of the Holy Spirit and do our part. As husbands, as fathers, as, as daughters, as, as, as wives, we must rise up under the power of the Holy Spirit to do our part. James chapter 2 and verse 26. For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Well, what does that mean? Faith without works is a dead faith because the lack of works reveals an unchanged life or a spiritually dead heart. If you're not putting your faith to action, then you really don't have faith. Hear it again. If you're not putting your faith to action, then you are not truly believing what the Bible teaches. You're not putting your, you're, you don't truly have faith. You see, you can't pray, God, give me a job, and never go out and look for a job. You can't pray, Lord, help me be more loving and, never, and, and then never do anything loving for your family. Come on. Come on. You can't pray, Lord, I, I, I want more courage, and then not have God give you things to be courageous about. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? No. Or does he give them the opportunity to be, yeah. to be patient? And as they are patiently working the situation through, he then gives them the special strength to be patient, or he overshadows you as you walk through that deep valley. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I've often thought, who wants to eat there? That's not very comforting. But the psalmist is saying, even in the most uncomfortable situations, my Jesus is there. If you pray for courage, does God give courage? Or again, does he give you the opportunity to be courageous? And when the opportunity to be courageous comes, when they step out in faith, then he gives the strength they need to accomplish the task at hand. That's a biblical principle. Joshua, yes, Lord, be strong and courageous. Okay, Lord, how are we going to do it? Well, every place that you set your foot... I've already given you. You're going to have to walk it out. You're going to have to fight the battle. David, yes, Lord, there's your giant. And as you run to the battlefield, I'll be with you. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I can deliver you, but you see, the miracle is what I want to do in this situation. If someone prays for the family to be closer, do you think that God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them the opportunity to love each other? And when they step out, he then gives the strength to love like they've never been hurt. No, friends, we have to do our part, and he is faithful to do his. When you do your part, he overshadows. Listen to this principle of faith. How we live reveals what we believe. And whether the faith we profess to have is a living faith. How we live reveals what we believe. And whether the faith we profess to have is a living faith. Peter, yes, Lord, when you have heavenly special strength... When the Holy Spirit overshadows you, son, you can get out of that boat and walk on the water. I will, overco- I will overcome those things and overshadow you. But Peter, you've got to get out of the boat. When you have heavenly special strength, you can endure radiation and chemotherapy. But you're going to have to go to the doctor and trust when you have heavenly special strength, you can be the caregiver for the loved one who needs you. But you have to step up to the job. I know that there are many who say, you know, I've got my, my older, my elderly parents living with me. My mother-in-law lives with us now. She's 92 years old. She thinks she's earned the right to say whatever she wants to say. <laughs> and she has. And there's no filter. And she just lets it fly. And I said, Lord, I believe you're going to help us here, but how are we going to do it? When you fast and pray, when you give, I will overshadow you. I'll give you special strength. You will have a peace that passes all understanding. Have you ever looked at a loved one and said, How are they making it when their loved one or their husband or wife of 50, 60, 70 years has passed? How are they gonna make it? Brother, you could tell us the Holy Spirit overshadows you, He gives you a peace that passes all understanding. Nothing is impossible with God, but you have to give Him your grief. You might be looking at legal situations, you might be dealing with children. And adult children, how are we going to make it? The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Situations that seem hopeless now have a determined end. I want you to get ready. I believe with the power of the Holy Spirit tonight, you're about to outrun the devil's chariots of cancer and depression and doubt and fear and worry and every addiction and every difficulty. You ask, how's it going to happen? Listen, I'm about to close. When life gets overwhelming... I have learned in 35 years of ministry that I have to speak to my giant. I have to speak audibly to the mountain. Jesus taught his disciples about speaking to their mountain and believing what they say when they speak. And when you get home, I want you to read Mark 11:22 through 23, Matthew 21, and Luke 17. Because Jesus is telling them, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and not have a doubt in your heart. He's not talking about the physical mountains that they could pray and have them lifted up and thrown into the Sea of Galilee. No, he's speaking about the problems and the situations in their life that seem so big and mountainous that they can't get through. And I'm not saying you can make a wish list or speak things into existence. But I am saying speak out and believe what God has already promised and he's already said. When David faced the giant Goliath, he didn't complain and say, God, why am I always dealing with huge problems? He didn't dwell on the fact that Goliath was three times his size and he was just a small little guy. Rather than focus on the magnitude of the mountain, he focused on the magnitude of his God. Amen. And he said, you come against me with a sword and spirit. Listen, he didn't just pray it. He didn't just internalize it. He didn't just wish it. He actually said it. Yes. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You have to speak it out. I'm not saying you can speak things into existence, but you can speak the word of God to your mountain. And he said, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel, in whom you have defied. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed him. Do you really think that Goliath went down with a tiny little rock? Or could it be that the Holy Spirit overshadowed that rock and it became a scud missile that brought down that mountain? First Samuel 17 to 45 David was overshadowed by the power of the Lord. Pastor Oliver, I want you to come to the piano real quick. Maybe your mountain is fear. And you're watching me right now by live stream, and you're thinking, we're dealing with some pretty heavy situations, and fear is knocking on your heart's door. Fear of the future, fears that haunt you from your past. It's the end of the year, and so we are dealing with. Some serious financial things in our ministry. And the devil has a tendency to say, well, look at you. You talk about faith all over the country. I can't tell you how many times I've walked with the Bible in one hand and the bills in the other and spoke to that mountain as I'm walking to the mailbox. I'm literally telling you to speak to that mountain. Maybe you have a fear and you have sleepless nights. I have people all the time, they'll Instagram and they'll say, Pastor, I can't sleep at night. And I always send a message back that says, well, maybe then we need to start praying against a spirit of fear. And pray for a spirit of rest. And as you walk down the hallway to your bedroom, Holy Spirit, I am expecting a spirit of rest. Well, how can I tell God I'm expecting anything? Well, because his word already says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I shall give you Come on now. I shall give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That's something he's already promised. Amen. Amen. You're not speaking something into existence. God's already said it. Come on. Amen. Maybe you have a fear. I can't tell you how many times when my children that are grown now, and I still pray over them, but they were at university and It it, it became a constant apologetic tour. Still is. The influence of the secular universities. The influence of a culture with no morals, ethics, or integrity. The devil would come and say, "Well, the situation's your. Look at you now." So I speak to that mountain. I said, "No, devil, I'm not going to allow you to bring a spirit of fear upon me about my kids, about my grandchildren." I had a young couple come to me and they said, Pastor, we're, we're, we're really considering not even having children because this culture is so woke. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. The culture was woke when God birthed Jesus out of Nazareth into Bethlehem of Judea. Don't you dare allow the enemy to steal the promise of God. Well, what do we do, Pastor? You speak to your fear. How do I do it? You quote scripture. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. In whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked enemies and my foes come upon me to eat my flesh, they will stumble and fall. Thou host shall rise against me. My heart shall not fear. Thou war shall rise against me. and this will I be confident. One thing that I desire of the Lord that I will seek after. That I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in a time of trouble, he shall hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. When David says, the Lord is my light, he is saying, the Lord is my counselor in my difficulties and my comforter and my deliverer in all of my distresses. For the Lord is the strength of my life. There's nothing to fear. We're talking about the same special strength or overshadowing that God gave to Moses to endure 40 years in the wilderness. The same special strength he gave to Abraham to believe for over 20 years for the promise of Isaac. The same special strength to endure that he gave Joseph as he sat 14 years in a prison and then was lifted to the promise. The Apostle Paul in prison and John the Baptist to declare, I am a voice crying in the wilderness if you believe that that God is no respecter of persons I want you right now to close your eyes and lift your hands and begin to praise him and speak to your mountain I want my friends that are watching right now in Lubbock Texas to close your eyes and lift your hands and begin to invite him into your personal experience just begin to say Holy Spirit I welcome you in I decrease that you would increase I don't know what your giant is I don't know what your situation is but as you begin to worship as you begin to praise him just right now begin to praise him stop talking to God about how big your mountains are and start talking to your mountains about how big your God is say Holy Spirit would you bring a spirit of rest I need you to bring a spirit of peace. Satan, we rebuke you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. And we speak to that mountain. For surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. So I want you to audibly speak it out. Don't you get quiet on me now. There's a lion in you ready to roar. I want you to hear me. There's a lion in you ready to roar. Right now, if you've got the gift of a prayer language or a heavenly language, I want you to use it right now. McWilliams family, begin to pray in the Spirit right now. Begin to walk around that house and pray in the Spirit. Begin to ask the presence of God and welcome Him into your human situation. Invite Him in because the miracle is what He wants to do in your personal situation. In fact, I want you to stand right now in this room. Stand. Don't sit. I want you to stand. And I want you to lift your hands and proclaim it right now. Tell the devil, get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my grandchildren. Get your hands off my nation. We speak a prophetic word right now. In the name of Jesus that we are going to begin to fast we're going to begin to pray we're going to plant Jesus into every dry area we're going to plant Jesus into dry ground for Isaiah 53 says he is the root out of dry ground he will flourish when we give him room so give him room right now give him room right now I want you to audibly say Holy Spirit would you breathe life into me That's your prayer for the next 30 seconds. Holy Spirit, would you breathe life into me? Breathe life into my life. Breathe life into my ministry. Breathe life into my children. Breathe life. And then call your children by name. Holy Spirit, breathe life into my son Christian. Breathe life into my son Morgan. Breathe life into my son ask, my son Quentin. Bring life into my grandson Enzo. Bring life, Lord. Breathe the precious blood of Jesus and the life of God into my daughter-in-law's Marissa, Lord. And father, and breathe into Samantha and to Savannah, my daughter-in-law. Father, that you would begin right now to breathe a special strength into my wife, Carlene, my daughter, Ashton. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we invite you into our human situation. Depression, go. Fear, go. Worry, go. Anointing, come. Lift your voice and praise him